1: Maybe I've been praying for it, but you didn't expect it when it happens. And God will do it. And then last but, almost last but not least, good bait. Good bait's essential. A life that attracts people to the hook. That's what Titus talked about. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. That's good bait. And sometimes by the way Christians live, and the way their mannerisms are, and the way they talk to people, like no wonder somebody doesn't want to hear about it.
0: All too often, while Christians share a gospel that's built on grace and offers a hope of eternal life, they live a life that lacks joy and fails to demonstrate the grace and love that they've experienced. As Pastor Danny will point out in today's message, you can't expect someone to want what you have if you represent it so poorly. You don't need to put on a show. Simply reflect on what Jesus has done for you, and let that inspire you to words and acts of love that point the lost to Him. Now, here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 1, as he continues his message, Fishers of Men. To every nation.
1: apostle made an amazing statement. I'd love to be able to make this statement. I really don't know if I can. He said, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. And you have to believe he was thinking about Ezekiel three and Ezekiel 33. What he's saying is every time I had an opportunity, an open door, I shared with someone that they might be saved. What What a great thing to be able to say. Now we're going to get to this. You never have to shove Jesus down anybody's throat. As a matter of fact, I see you doing that. I'm going to rebuke you. It's not a godly thing to do. You don't have to do that, but we we'll, I'm getting ahead of myself. You got to be a follower of Jesus. You got to follow Jesus, but you also got to have a love for the world. Now it doesn't start out necessarily as a love for the world. This is something we grow in. We grow in. Anybody read about uh, Adam Warwick, FWC biologist who jumped in uh, 40 miles south of Tallahassee, uh, an inlet of the Gulf of Mexico. It was four miles wide. And uh, they had shot a bear to tranquilize him. And before the tranquilizer would work, he jumps in this inlet and he's swimming the four miles, intending to swim four miles across. And the biologist says to his working buddy, he said, I got to jump in and save this bear. Anybody see that or read about it? You guys are very uninformed. glad you came to church well anyway he jumps in and he puts his life on the line and he goes and he literally saves a 375 pound black bear gets a few cuts and and bruises scrapes but but he saves the bear's life he puts his own life on the line for a bear now i'm all for that as long as somebody else is doing it (laughs) no i'm all for that that's a joke but look look you know, but we're saving the whales. We're saving the bear. And let's start saving the babies. That's another message for another time. But listen, God loves his creation. The Bible says that a sparrow can't fall to the ground that the father doesn't take notice. He cares for his creation. So nothing wrong with saving the creation. Nothing wrong with saving the bear and et cetera. But listen, you and I are worth much more than the animal kingdom. As important as the animal kingdom is, you and I. Your neighbors, people you work with, people you go to school with, your family. We have living souls. And so it's one thing to save a bear. It's another thing to see people saved. Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This verse should never get old. John 3:16. for God so loved the world, the world that he gave his one and only son. I love the song we learned as kids, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. But sometimes we don't have the love to be obedient to the great commission. Jonah, when God sent him to Nineveh, what did he do first? He ran for his life, got on the boat, headed for Tarshish, far away as he could get. Big fish swallows him three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, spits him up on the shore. He changes his mind and reluctantly, but obediently, he goes to Nineveh. And what he feared might happen, happened. The whole city gets saved. He didn't want them to get saved. Why? Because they are historically bitter enemies of the Jewish people. And so there are people that we don't naturally want to share with. We don't want to see some people saved. Let me just be honest. But the more you follow Jesus... And the closer you get to Jesus, see, here's what the father's looking to do. And you guys that have been around Bible teaching churches for long enough, you know that we're looking to be conformed by the father into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And the more we become like Jesus, the more we become like the father because Jesus and the father are one. And so the more we become like God, the more we love the world. And we begin to learn to love people that aren't very lovable the Osama bin Laden's of life. God loves them for God so loved the world. You know who wrote John three sixteen, John. <laughs> Duh. In Luke chapter nine, verse 51, let me read it. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus going to the cross, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. In this culture, you might know, Jews didn't have any dealings with Samaritans. They didn't like each other at all. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And they would have liked nothing better for Jesus to say, yeah, go ahead. Call down fire on these Samaritans, especially for the way they treated Jesus. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Jesus dubbed James and John sons of thunder. I wonder why. They had tempers. And here their tempers flare in response to how the Samaritans treated their master. And all they want to do is call down fire from heaven. But John would change. So would James. When you get to Acts chapter 8 verses 14 to 17 tells us that when revival breaks out in Samaria in response to Philip going there and preaching the gospel, James and John are sent to pray for the Samaritans that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And they laid their hands on them, prayed for them, and they received the Holy Spirit the same way the Jewish believers did on the day of Pentecost. Not only that. Verse 25, when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. You see, they changed over time. And the more you follow Jesus, the more you'll change, the more I'll change. And people that we don't love and we don't even like, we want to see saved because God so loved the world. You want to be a fisher of men For Jesus, follow Jesus, love the world. And then third, got to be willing to befriend the world. Here's accusation of Jesus by his critics. The son of man came eating and drinking, he said, and they say he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They were saying that in a negative light. Because if we go to the house of people like Matthew, the tax collector, when Matthew throws a banquet in honor of Jesus, invites all of his friends, all of his friends who were known sinners, no doubt alcohol was served at that meeting, that party. Not that that's necessarily wrong in and of itself. But the Pharisees, they're looking and going, Look at there. He's, look, look, look at the house he's hanging at. Look at the party he's at. Don't answer out loud. But I'm freshly challenged by this, and I thank God I was encouraged by it when I was freshly challenged. You have any unbelieving friends? I have friends at the, at the boat dock where I normally go in and out of, clean the fish at, et cetera. One guy, he's a captain. He doesn't know the Lord. I prayed for him. I got in a conversation with him this past Saturday. He was cleaning fish after a trip. I said, did you go south today? I saw the kind of fish he had. I figured he, you were down, you're south today, weren't you? He goes, yeah, we were south. He said, what was your name? He remembered my face but not my name. I said, my name's Danny. He said, oh, yeah, Pastor Danny. That's what he said. I got a reputation at the dock. <laughs> then he said, Reverend... He called me reverend. I'm like, don't call me reverend. He said, reverend. And then he asked asked me to pray for some people. Hey, there's a witness there. I love taking unbelievers fishing, especially when we're going 30 miles out. (laughs) And you get an open door 30 miles out, buddy, you got plenty of time to share. (laughs) What are they going to do? Jump out and swim home? I don't like it rough, but sometimes it gets rough, and I go, Lord, you sent this, didn't you? We got an unbeliever on the boat. Are you ready to die? If you die today. I've been in those situations. I'm not kidding. I had a captain of a boat in the middle of a storm. I'm not, this story, I didn't tell in any other service. You're very blessed. (laughs) Captain of the boat. He's the captain of the boat. We're in the worst storm I've ever been at in my life. I really thought we were going to see Jesus. I didn't think we were going to survive. And finally, he, with everybody else huddled down in the front, escaping it, I'm like, I need to be with the captain just to encourage him. So I'm out with the life vest on. He's got his life vest on. And he looks at me and says, what should we do? I'm like, you're the captain. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't die that day. And you know what he said? You know what he said afterward? He said, that storm was for me. He committed his life to Christ. That's the true story. But don't pray for more storms while I'm fishing. Don't you do that. Take advantage of it when it comes, but I don't necessarily like it. Now, I need to say one note before we move on. We need to have friends in the world, but you need to be very careful That when you befriend the world, you don't let the world pull you back to the life you left to follow Jesus. You need to have better and closer friends who know and love Jesus. But we all ought to have friends in the world. But our closest friends ought to be those who follow Jesus along with us. Because without those kind of friends, it's easy just to go back into the old life. You don't want to do that. And by the way, I'm not for, and I don't believe the Bible is for, missionary dating. I see these people saying, my boyfriend, you know, and I'm bringing him to church. I'm like, you shouldn't even have a boyfriend that doesn't know Jesus. You shouldn't have a girlfriend that doesn't know Jesus. That's that's just, you you shouldn't be there. Don't go there. If you are there, get out of it until you know they really know Jesus. More than just they come to church with you. That's another whole message in itself. And then my favorite point, proper equipment. And fishing for Jesus, listen, you go fishing, you better have the proper equipment. I've had people on the boat and they don't, they they just not experienced. And I used to be not experienced. All right. But I have to rig up their line differently. I'll give them one of my poles, you know, and say, here, here's what you need. And we'll get them right. And they'll catch fish. You know, they'll catch the right fish, proper equipment. You say, where do you get that from the Bible? First Peter three, always be prepared to give an answer. There are different fish out here, different bents. And we need to approach sometimes a different way. Now, there's only one hook. We'll get to that at the end. Ephesians, God's given leadership in the church to prepare God's people for works of service. The writer to the Hebrews says, I pray to God that he equip you with everything good for doing his will. Everything good for doing his will. It's taken years, but now... I've gotten better at it. This pole was given to me long, long time ago, back in the warehouse days, by some friends of mine at Calvary Chapel. They surprised me. Actually, on a Sunday, I think they did it. They arranged with the other leaders, and they they gave me this pole. They gave me a dive tank, and uh, this is a grouper pole. This is what you want if you're going to catch grouper, all right? This pole has caught more grouper and more fish than any other pole I've ever owned. Now, I've owned it longer than any other pole, but there's something about this pole. It is anointed I'm not kidding. You can even touch this pole and you'll go out and you'll have a better day. <laughs> and you tell, you'll, you'll know what kind of a Christian I've become because if you come on my boat uh, and it's your first time, I will let you use this pole. And a lot of times the people that, that have this pole, they will catch the biggest and the most fish. It's anointed. For years I didn't, but now almost every time we throw out what we call a flat line. I've got this rigged up as a flat line. I've got fluorocarbon leader on here, a certain size, not too heavy, not too light, because usually you get a bigger fish on the flat line. I'm mainly a bottom fisherman. I don't really like trolling, I don't have the patience for it. I like catching, not fishing. While we're bottom fishing, we'll take a live bait and we'll throw this one out the back and we'll put it in the rod holder. And you never know who might come along while you're catching other fish. You never know who might just show up. I've named this one now, renamed it in in light of this message, Zacchaeus. (laughs) Zacchaeus wasn't really looking to be a follower of Jesus. He's just kind of curious, you know, and Jesus trees him and he gets saved that day. You never know who might just show up. The Zacchaeus pole. If I'm fishing for snapper, a rig I've learned not too awful long ago, it's called a knocker rig. Lighter pole, spinning rod, and the weight, and this is a very lightweight. this is a very lightweight, right on a smaller hook, and this one is great for snapper. It'll also get hogfish, although we found something a little better for hogfish, and if I tell you that one, I have to kill you. <laughs> Especially in warmer months, I'll always have this little baby on the boat. An easy grab sight. It's a very light rod, even lighter fluorocarbon, smaller hook. And just a few months ago, we're headed out to the spot. We see a piece of junk in the water. We slow down and underneath the junk, about 50 triple tails. All we did is pull a little baby out, put a little bait on there, cast out. I think we caught 27 triple tail. Or you might even be fishing, bottom fishing, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, mahi-mahi show up. And you grab something like this, put a little bait on, cast it out, and it's game on. <laughs> this is my tackle box. And everything I need for the different poles and the different fish we're going to target right here. Be prepared. Be prepared. You know what kind of pole you need if you're going to catch a Jewish person for Christ? You need an Old Testament pole. Don't talk to them from the New Testament. They don't believe in the New Testament. So if you don't know the Old Testament and the prophecies about Jesus from the Old Testament, how in the world are you going to ever catch a Jewish person for Jesus? Only way you're going to catch them with an, with a, with an Old Testament pole. That's why we ought to know the Old Testament prophecies. I did one little booklet just on Old Testament prophecies. It's a great resource. One fella, he's actually here, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I see you. He comes out a little while ago, comes up to me outside before service, and he says, my wife listens to your radio program. It was when we had a radio program weekly. He said, this is our anniversary, and it would make her day if you'd take a picture with us. And I said, sure, no problem. So she shows up, and we get a picture together. And then a few minutes later, I'm talking to him. Or sometime in the conversation, he says, I'm an atheist. I said, Really? I said, come with me just a minute. I took him in the bookstore and I bought a book. I said, if I buy it, if I get this for you, will you read it? He said, I will. It's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. He read the book. He later committed his life to Christ. I got to move on, but we live in a day there's so many good resources. You don't have to answer every question. You won't be able to answer every question people have. God hasn't given us the answer to every question we have. Nevertheless, there's still great resources and we can become better equipped to deal with lots of different kind of people and lots of different kind of questions and backgrounds. And then as I bring it to a close, this is so important, prayer. And this is so essential and and, and so important in not beating down doors and shoving Jesus in anybody's throat, down anybody's throat. If you'll just do this, just Pray. Now, some of us are afraid to pray this because you know God will answer. If I begin to pray that God open a door for me to share with somebody at work, guess what? God will open a door, and he will in his time. You pray for God to open a door with your neighbors, in his time he will. And if you just pray, God, if you open the door, I'll walk through it. I'll share. And if you just continually, regularly pray for people, God, you open the door. You open the door. And he will. He will. Sometimes it happens out of the, you just don't even, sometimes you realize, maybe I've been praying for it, but you didn't expect it when it happens. And God will do it. And then, last but, almost last but not least, good bait. Good bait's essential. A life that attracts people to the hook. That's what Titus talked about. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. That's good bait. And sometimes by the way Christians live and the way their mannerisms are and the way they talk to people, like no wonder somebody doesn't want to hear about it. And we grow in this. I used to be like Peter in the garden with my older brother where he just pulls out the sword and chops off Malchus's ear. That's all I was doing. I had the sword of truth, but it was the way I was using it. Everything I was saying was true, but it was, it was the arm of the flesh. Sword of the spirit, but the arm of the flesh. You know what I mean? Thank God I've changed in that in regard to my brother and hopefully other people as well. Always be prepared. And then the next verse says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Timothy, the Lord's servant must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Why would that be written if we're not tempted to be like that? Okay. And so we grow in these things and hopefully we're becoming more like Jesus when and how we share. And then the miraculous can be bait. The day of Pentecost, the rushing wind sound. It says when they heard this sound, a crowd came together. That's like chum for fish. You throw the chum in and the fish come. And it wasn't that that saved them. It was Peter getting up and sharing the gospel. But it was the sound of the rushing wind that got their attention. Jesus healed a couple of people and what did he say? Luke chapter 5, he says, Go show yourself to the priests as a testimony to them. That was meant to be bait. The healing was meant to be bait that they'd come to Jesus. Now, there's a lot of different things we could say about this one. I don't have an exhaustive list. Um, Tragedy can be bait. As much as that's painful, it can be bait. You know, death uh, for someone you love can be bait. Um, Pig pen experiences, the prodigal, he came to his senses. By going to the pig pen. He ended up in the pig pen. And and that's where he finally said, Hey, I got to do something. I got to make a decision here. And he goes back to the Father. And it was that experience in the pig pen that was bait for him. And then, last but not least, there's only one hook. Only one hook. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. What's the name? Jesus, there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. Paul says, I received what I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the only message that'll save somebody. Now, you got to get over the fear of sharing the gospel. You say, well, what what if they don't accept? What if they react negatively? What if they don't like me anymore? All those things may happen. But when you stand before Jesus, what are you going to say? We, We want to be able to say, Lord, I was afraid, but I didn't let fear keep me from doing it. And as you grow, you begin to overcome that fear more. Now, fear can keep you no matter how long. Fear can keep you from doing something no matter how long you've been a Christian. So we always got to overcome fear. But the gospel, I'm not ashamed, Paul says, of the gospel, because it's the power of God unto salvation. No other message you can share that will save somebody's soul. So as I conclude, I like to pull Zacchaeus out (laughs) and make one final cast because you never know who might be in this sea of people. You're not a fisher of men for Jesus because you've never been caught yet.
0: so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You might not realize how powerful prayer can be, especially during such uncertain times. There might be a listener who's really struggling, and God might stir in their heart a renewal of their faith simply by listening to this program. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. Just as we're reminded in Mark, God came to earth as a human, suffered in all the ways we do, and ultimately came to redeem each one of us. That's the takeaway we hope every listener gains from tuning in. Please pray for us also to seek God's will for this program and for it to continue to reach people in a powerful way. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Mark. We hope that you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.